Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, please, this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. You ever heard somebody say to you these very sometimes terrifying words? Trust me. Trust me. Oh, it'll be fine. Trust me. Uh, I'm a dad of two young children. (laughs) I've said those words quite a bit in my six years of parenting. Trust me. It'll be fine. You know, there's so many things in life that we have to put our trust in. Right? Think about it. Your car today. Some of you, a little bit more trust than others. Okay? I didn't go out there, but I assume there's probably a couple of uh, faith cars out there, right? I just flew here, two airplanes. I had to trust that those pilots knew what they were doing. Um, I will say it was interesting this morning that, that I didn't even think about it, but they were flying on a second air, air fl- uh, flight, and they said, would two people from the front, four rows, go to the back? We have to distribute the weight. Okay. And then, about 20 minutes into the flight, a co pilot came back to use the restroom, and he was the biggest co pilot I've ever seen. <laughs> and they were shifting. Bags, I kid you not, from the front of the airplane to the back of the airplane. My daughter said, there's our bag. I said, no, we already packed it. It was our bag going around. They were shifting bags around. Wow, okay. I, had a, I will say I had a second or third thought for a second. Like, what are we doing here? Why are we shifting weight in an airplane? I didn't even know it was a thing. You have to have faith in those things. Okay, I have flown a ton in my life. I still think about that. I mean, why is the internet and YouTube full of pilot or plane issue, you know, plot problems. Because that's what happens. We're, we're, we're all about faith. What about a, a stairway? Anybody ever walk through a stairway that somebody didn't build very well? A chair, okay? When you get to be my <clears throat> size, you think about chairs more often. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay? Um, some of the times, those little chairs, you're thinking, yeah, it's not going to open. There's no way. But you have faith that it's going to. What about an elevator? Anybody ever got stuck in an elevator? I've never had that opportunity to do that. But as a young man, I was at Indiana University, and I was there for some music training for three summers, and had these really old elevators. I'm talking 1850s, 60s elevators. And you could push a, a little lever down, and it would turn off the fan and the lights. Didn't stop the elevator, but it sure sounded like it did. So you were the seventh grader, you know, totally mature in everything in life. And you're staying there. I'm just going up and down four floors in this elevator. I don't know why people allowed me to do that. I would just lean on that little lever accidentally. And the most demure, put-together music faculty of Indiana University, Jacobs School of Music, would presently freak out. What's going on? It's... Elevator, it's dead, it's dead, stops. You know, it, and I just plug it back on and have a good time, have a good laugh. But I will tell you, you put faith in an elevator. If you ever gone to those major skyscrapers, what if that thing just stopped working? You put faith in it. Anybody ever gone bungee jumping? I have never gone it and never gone bungee and I never will go. But if you go bungee jumping, you put faith in that cord that it's not gonna 
Snap. You know, there's so many things in life that you put your faith in. Now let's bring it down home. Why is it, Christian, that we put more faith in material, imperfect things than we do in the Creator God? Every single day, we put our faith in imperfect, earthly, practical, we have to, but objects in our life. But we have a hard time as Christians putting our faith in the God who created us and sent his son to die for us and who loves us with an everlasting love. You say, what are you talking about, Brother Van? Well, how is your faith this morning? Honestly, Christian, how is your faith? Are you trusting God this morning? It's easy to say, oh, oh yeah, I have lots of faith. I'm really trusting God. I'm, and it's very much a Christian thing. It's, it's, it's a thing we say. Trust him, Lord, brother. Are you? Because I would beg to say that faith is not faith unless it's coupled with obedience. True faith is not true faith unless you are actually taking a step of obedience. We're going to talk about this this morning, obedient faith. Charles Spurgeon said this, I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else not to believe at all. Believe this book of God, every letter of it, or else reject it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deeps of divine revelation. A faith that paddles about the edge of water is poor faith at best. It is little better than dry land faith and is not good for much. In 2023, in a country that is in desperate need of revival, where does that start? It starts in the lives and the homes of God's people. How is your faith today? How absolutely confident are you in God right now? This is not a philosophical message. Is your faith shaken this morning in any way? What about when faith is talked about, maybe you see it as a vague Spiritual concept just floating above your head like, I don't even know what that means. Do you understand what it is? We'll talk about this morning. Let me ask you a few questions, and I want you to be honest with yourself in your heart. Do you want a faith that sees real results? Or do you have a faith that only talks of future possibilities? Do you want a faith that believes in the impossible? Or do you have a faith that's stuck in the humanly possible. Do you want a faith that fulfills God-given vision and dreams in your life? Or do you have a faith that stays mired in the what-ifs and the maybes? Do you want a faith that results in miracles? Or do you have a faith that can be humanly explained? Christian, how is your faith this morning? How is your faith? I'm going to see three simple points. Very simple message this morning about obedient faith. Three simple points. Number one, faith defined. What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. Faith, in its very meaning of it, is believing in something you really can't see. You know, a car mechanic has more faith in a car than we would, or less faith, actually, excuse me, because he can see more of it. He can see more of the action. Me, I have no idea what a car is doing. I know how to get a car to the car dealership or to the oil change place or to the car wash. Um, it's not my cup of tea. It's not my expertise. For me to get in that car and turn it on to drive it, I have lots of faith that it's going to get me from point A to point B. I had an ensemble one time. I was back in the van up to 2009. And I heard a snapping sound when I turned it. And uh, praise the Lord. I took it in. And uh, the... the uh, the whole act, I don't even know, the axle system, the, the, the wheel would have sheared off, they told us, within the next couple of hours on the highway. Glad I came in for a little stop. Uh, you know, but when I drive those vehicles, I have no idea what's happening in there. I was at last, last uh, Monday with my son at the uh, Air Force Museum in Dayton. A little four-year-old. He was absolutely in seventh heaven. I mean, the guy was so much energy just running around all those through all four of those hangers, little four-year-old, the whole day, almost himself walking the whole time, running most of the time. Um, Daddy trying to keep up with them, going through every airplane, just loving it. I remember seeing some of those airplanes, and they had the sides off of them. You've seen that one. There's one of them there that had the side off, and it's just all of the, all the stuff. And I looked at that and went, how do you know if one wire is not right? How do you know? Like These guys look at it like, oh, that's wrong. How would you know? I have a lot of faith that all of that stuff works. I can't see it. It's behind the metal. It's underneath me. It's in the hood. I don't know. It works. It's faith. You can't see what's happening. You don't understand everything. You can't see all the reasons why, but faith is believing that the promises of God. It's believing that what God says in his word is true. It's believing that what God says, the promises of God will work today, tomorrow, and for the rest of my life, period, full stop. Do you believe that? God's promises are amazing, and they're amazing for you, Christian, this morning, right now. Let me say this, faith is not a feeling. It's not about how I feel. By the way, if faith was dependent on our feelings, we would all be in trouble every day. It's a reliance on God's word, which results in a step of obedience, trust, based on something God has said. Faith, by the way, is God's reality, not man's reality. 2023, on the 11th of June, life, the reality of life, is not great. Would you agree with me? That's understating it around us, right? Okay, maybe your life is okay at the moment. Obviously, in the Lord, it's good. But I'm saying practically, is the United States of America doing great? No. In my lifetime, in my time after, just after college, the last 13 years, the decline of our country has been precipitous. I mean, just like off the cliff, straight down. And you look around you, and financially, your reality is bad. Huh. You look around you and physically and this or that and the other thing and you're just going, what is going on? But that, ladies and gentlemen, is not God's reality. 
God's looking at what, what God what he wants to do in your life. He's looking at the, the blessings he wants to give you. He's looking at all the things in your life and this church and, and this area, what God, and there's people that want to be, he wants to be to see saved and all these things and opportunities. He's at 30,000 feet and we're tromping through the fields, can't see above the grass, the high grass. Faith is God's reality, not ours. Faith is a choice to believe what God has said. You know, we can say we have faith, but unless we actually choose to believe it, we don't really have faith. A lot of times, we are stubborn. Anybody in here stubborn? A lot of us are. And we just don't want to choose to believe. We just have a hard time. Faith is not based on the circumstances around you. Faith, by the way, does not complain about what's happening. Christian, by the way, that also includes calling your friend and saying, please pray for me. It sounds really good until the next sentence. Please pray for me because... And you spill out all the problems as you're asking them to pray for you. That's not asking for prayer. That's just complaining to your friend. That is not trusting in who God is. That's just spilling out the fact that you aren't trusting what God's saying. Trust is, hey, pray for me. God's got something for me in this situation. God's got something for me in my life. I don't know what it is, but can you pray that God shows me I need to trust him? That's faith. Faith is, by the way, not blame people for how difficult life has become. Aren't we so easy to do that? You know, I have a six and a four-year-old. Life is blaming, right? In human life, Kids, what's happening? You know, they're squabbling. In our house, they're squabbling. I know there's never squabbling in your homes, but they're squabbling in mine, okay? And there's a little fighting, infighting between the four and the six-year-old. I just can't wait till they have a zero-year-old enter into their lives. That's going to be interesting. They have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, but they're squabbling down the, I come down there, I said, kids, what's going on? What's the first word out of their mouth? The other kid's name. Why? It's not our fault, ever, ever. And we always think, you're at fault, you're at fault, I'm not at fault. Here's the problem, it's not anybody's fault. God has put you, we talked about trials this morning, and God's plan this morning in Sunday school. God puts you where he wants you. So don't blame somebody else, don't blame him. Don't blame your parents, by the way, for your bad, for what your upbringing. I hear a lot of people in the, in, in the ministry years that I've been in ministry, people have just ripped their dad and ripped their mom for their horrible upbringing. It's not their fault, ultimately. Don't blame them. Faith is saying, God, you know there's a lot of bad circumstances that you brought me through, but that was on purpose. I'm trusting you. By the way, that takes a step. That's, that's, a not, that's not a small thing. I've seen grown men weeping at the front of, of a church as the, as the massive burden of bitterness towards their father rolls off of them. But it took them years to get there. Faith simply trusts, and faith obeys. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Mark 9, 23 says, Jesus said to him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Colossians 2, verse 6 talks about, As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So easy, we, we by faith got saved, but then we forget about it when, we get, when we're in the Christian life. 
It says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. We accept the free gift of salvation by faith, but we struggle to walk by faith every single day. Let's look here quickly at faith exemplified in the Bible. We talked about faith defined, but faith exemplified. Hebrews 11 is just full of it. We can't for um, time's sake go all the way through. It's full of people who just had faith in their God in the impossible situations. Verse 1 answers the question, obviously, we talked about what is faith? Now, look at verse number 3. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not, were not made of things which do appear. Just the amazing opportunity of the worlds that God made. The, the, the fact that, you know, you talk about somebody, we're right here next to the Creation Museum, but you talk to somebody about faith and evolution. Evolution is so, it's so, it's so crazy you have to have faith in a, in a God. Yeah, you have to have more faith to believe that things just blew up out of nothing and landed in this, this order. It's pretty crazy. And you have to have faith to believe that life, it's, there's more faith involved in evolution than there is in creation. I'm simply believing in the creator God and the word in which he said right here. You're believing in 45,000 different theories that have never been proven, never have anything right, and they're always wrong. And they're always, they're always different. I love talking to evolutionists because ne- they never agree with each other. I have a doctorate from da 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 Okay, why do you not agree with this guy? Well, that's always theory. Well, why am I believing you? I can't believe him. I'll just believe the word of God. It's faith. That's what it is. Verse number six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Verse number seven talks about Noah with building the ark. That, folks, was crazy. Here we are close to the ark, but you probably have seen that size of the ark. Putting that in the middle of a field with nothing around them. That's crazy. God told them to, and Noah just happened to believe that God said what he said he would come, it would come to pass. Abraham, in verse number 8, left his home. We'll talk about that in a second. By faith. Verse 11, Sarah believed God for an impossibility with Isaac. Back in Genesis chapter 15, uh, Abraham, verse number 6, it says, He believed in the Lord. He's talking about his seed will be continued. He believed in the Lord. He didn't have the opportunity. He was too old, but he believed. In Romans 4, excuse me, verse 19, it says, not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. That's crazy. I mean, that's, it's unbelievable. God did it. Verse number 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Listen, verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Let me tell you once morning, Christian, the greatest thing in all the world would be to, to, when, we, when we go to heaven and we have the funeral for whoever in this room, myself, whenever it's time for us to go to heaven and they would be able to say, hey, this person staggered not at the promises of God. They were strong in faith. They gave glory to God. They were fully persuaded what God said he would do. That would be a legacy. That was Abraham's legacy. He didn't stagger at anything. He knew the promises of God. What about you, Christian? What about the trial you're in right now or the situation you're in right now? What about at the end of that trial, what's going to be said about you? Yeah, Daniel, he didn't stagger. He trusted God. Look at him. Man, look at that life. Man, he just went after it. Or what's it going to be? Daniel, he really tripped it up there. 
by the, but by the grace of God, he's still in our church. and He's hanging on by a thread, barely comes. He's here, but he definitely doubted God through that one. I think I'd like to go with the first option. I'd like my life to be about that, but so many times we choose the other. We, we choose to doubt God. We choose to believe that God is not uh, who he says he is. By the way, folks, that's a pretty serious charge. This is an aspect when we say, God, what you say in your word is true. When we do not believe in the promises of God, we cease to believe that God is God. That's really what it comes down to. The creator God is who he says he is, and if we don't believe in his promises, if we don't believe in his word, then how can we have any trust in who he is? Verse 17, Abraham offered up his son for a sacrifice. Unbelievable to say that he would just take Isaac and sacrifice him. My, my kids were, we were going through the story, and my little six and four-year-old, and I, just, I said, guys, he was going to have to kill his son. I mean, that's that would have been horrible. And my kids looked at me with these big eyes, and they just said, no, God provided a lamb. I, you know, they obviously knew the story, but I said, yeah, but he could have had to kill his son. And they looked at me with those pure eyes of a, of a young child and said, no, but God said he, he's going to provide a lamb. It was going to be, it, God took care of it. Why is it that we at 35 years old, 45 years old, are too mature to actually believe in God? Verse 28 talks about the first Passover. 29 talks about the Red Sea. 30 talks about Jericho. There's David and Goliath and Daniel's three friends and Elijah and Gideon. And all of these situations where people put their faith in God, sometimes in the circumstances which didn't make any sense. And I will tell you, God worked. Okay? You say, well, that's great. But what about my life this morning? What about your life? Last point this morning, faith personalized. What does it actually mean to have faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 8. Look with me, please. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. Read with me, everybody, the next word. Obeyed. One word, simple, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. Abraham, without question, obeyed his God. Christian, what about you this morning? Are you without question, questioning, obeying God? In your personal time, God's dealt in your heart about doing something. Have you done it? Through the preaching of the word of God, through your pastor, through other preachers in this pulpit, God has dealt with you about sin or issues in your life or taking a step or doing something. Have you obeyed God? It's a big question. I will tell you right now, if you have not taken those steps of obedience, there's a reason God's not working. God wants to work in your life. Turn with me, please, quickly to Joshua 3. We're going to land here. Joshua chapter 3. Is one, a couple, couple of minutes. Look at this passage of Scripture. Faith personalized. Really? Taking faith, and this is what happened, one of my favorite chapters in all the Word of God. Joshua and the people of Israel are at the Jordan River. They are put in an impossible situation. God could have taken them around the west side, conquered the kings, and gone into the promised land, but God brought them on the east side, put them at the Jordan River, and said, Hey, you're in an impossible situation. It's time to trust me. And this 
millennial generation of Israelites, right? The older generation has passed away. They saw God work. They saw miracles, but they're gone. And now the new generation, the Gen Z, we want to call it. I don't know. The new generation is there standing at the Jordan River, and they're looking at this flowing, massive river. I'm not talking about a creek, folks. This is a river as big as the Mississippi River or bigger. It's rushing. It's overflowing. It's massive. It's impossible. And God says, there's the promised land. Go get it. Slight problem. There's called water here. And God gives the solution. Walk into the water. Walk into the water? Yeah, take the ark. Four guys walk in. Your your feet touch the water, then I'll part the water. Not the most humanly sensible course of action. Yes or no? Not at all. But God told them this. Joshua gets his people involved, and look what he says. He says, hereby, verse 10, ye shall know the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you, and he lists all these people. And he says, now therefore take you 12 men out of the tribes of Israel, verse number 12, and out of every tribe of man, verse 13, it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above. By the way, they had to go all the way in. They had to commit. This was not a, you know, I'll trust God, but I'll just dip my toes in the water. You know, I think, Pastor, you're right. That's great. Let me, let me believe God. Let me just see what it's like. No, no. You know what this is? This is God. You told me to do this. Okay, I'm going. And you walk straight into the water. And you know what? You can sit there and think, well, God's not going to part the water. That's not faith. Those four guys had to have absolute faith that God was going to part the Jordan River or else they were dead, literally. It was a rushing, huge river. And that piece, most precious artifact in all of Israel was going to go down with them and be washed away. But God knew what he was doing. But he had to wait until they were fully committed. Christian, what is keeping you from being fully committed? What is keeping you from stepping into the water? By the way, those Israelites, I don't think, would have walked around the the, the walls of Jericho so many times and shouted. That makes no sense. They had an army. Walked around and shouted and waiting for the walls to fall down. I don't think they would have done that unless they would have seen God work at, at the Jordan River. God was showing him, hey, I'm in control. I'm getting, the, I'm getting it here. I'm getting the glory. This is about me getting glory and not about you doing something. And I will tell you this right now. Sometimes what God tells you to do, you think this does not make sense. But God's telling you, hey, you obey me. I will bless your life. And it brings me glory. Joshua, what's happening? What causes us to be hindered from this? from truly experiencing a personalized, obedient faith. Play number one, fear of failure. Fear of failure. Pastor's walking in, God's doing great work. This guy's over here, God's doing great work. But if I go in, I'm going to drown. There's no way. I, God, God I, mean, I, I know you say it, but I just, I can't. I was out, we were on a cliff, jumping off in a big, we had a big, um, uh, we had a youth retreat, and we were out in the, lakes up in northern Minnesota, 
Boundary Waters. We had taken a canoe trip out there. It's a crazy, amazing trip. My dad and my uncle were out preaching. We were on an island to preach. We stayed on other islands. It was just an amazing trip. One of those once-in-a-lifetime trips. We had this like 20-foot, 15 and 20-foot different cliffs, and we were jumping off during guys' swim time. Well, I wasn't jumping off. I don't like going underwater. Not a great swimmer. So I just stayed and watched. And they're like, come on, come on, come on. I said, finally got off the boat, got under the cliff. And I was just standing there watching. Wasn't planning on jumping. All the guys were good swimmers. They could have been there to help me. Well, my dad pulled up in his canoe. He said, wearing khakis and a polo. When he pulled up, he had just come from the preaching time. He was coming over to see me. And I jumped. And afterwards, they said, why did you jump then? And I said, my dad was there. And they said, well, we could have helped you. I said, yeah, yeah, but my dad was there. I don't care how good a swimmer you were. My dad was there. Now, he was like, he's an amazing swimmer. But here's my point, Christian. That 15, 20-foot cliff is what sometimes it looks like, the step of faith. I have to jump off of, there's no, there's no way. Let me tell you something right now. Your father is there. You might think you're all alone on top of that cliff on the side of the river, whatever you want to see the picture, but I will tell you right now, you take a step of faith and God, your father, will meet you there. But fear of failure keeps us from doing it. Hidden sin keeps us from taking a step of faith. You know, these devices have destroyed us, haven't they? They've gotten in the way of seeing God work in our hearts. There's a lot of junk on these things. The access to stuff is just too, it's too prevalent. Christian, what about the hidden sin? You might be a great Christian in this, look like a good Christian in this church, and you guys have an addictions ministry on Friday night, but maybe there's addiction in your own heart that needs to be rooted out, and maybe you're saying, you're saying God's not working in my family. Why not? Because you're a personal hidden sin. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Husband and wives, your marriage is a big deal. You know why God's not working? Because your relationship's not working. That's not God's fault, and it's not your spouse's fault. It's your fault. My dad told me, last time I was, we were counseling before I got married, he looked at me and said, son, my wife-to-be was right there. He goes, son, every time you argue, every time there's an issue with your, with your wife, any issue for the rest of your life in your marriage, he looks at me and goes, it's your fault. Hey, teacher, question. Um, how's that fair? <laughs> you know what, 11 years later? He's right. Gentlemen, it is our fault because the Bible commands us to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's high-level stuff, guys. We aren't getting it. And I'm only 11 years into marriage, and I am no pro. But I will tell you what, it is my fault because my wife is not about me being the Lord of the house. It's me being the man who sacrificed and to love her. And I will tell you what, why are we not seeing God work in our homes? Is because we're not willing to say, you know what, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I haven't led like I should. And God wants to, wants to do a work in our home. And let me, I'd love to be the first one to say that I need to be humbled and I need to be the leader. It's not, it's not, God's not going to work because you're the man. God's going to work when you're humble before him. When's the last time, gentlemen, I'm talking to the guys here, when's the last time you said sorry to your kids? Real quiet in here. It's really hard to say I'm sorry to your kids. To get down to the level and say, you know what, daddy was wrong. I got frustrated. Say, well, they were being naughty. I don't care. They're your kids. The DNA is yours, so own it. Right? I will tell you, one of the biggest things that gets in the way of God working 
and faith happening in homes and our churches is the fact that we are not, our relationship with our spouses and the relationship with other kids is broken. I guarantee your pastor preaches about it and guides you and directs you in this area. But I will tell you, in a good church like this, there are still homes that are in desperate need of God working. And it starts with a guy, a man, being humble before God saying, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Complaining heart, a gossiping mouth, an argumentative spirit, pride, a lack of trust. All of these things, I will tell you, is what keeps us from seeing God work in our life. It's the, it's the reason we don't see obedient faith. And we're done here this morning. Let me just give you a couple of quotes and we're done. A.W. Dozier said this, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. George Mueller said this, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. What about you, Christian? What about you? I don't think if Joshua and the priests, if they wouldn't have stepped into that water with that crazy command, I don't think they would have seen or listened to the even crazier commands that they had later. You know, when you step into the water, you start seeing God work then you'll want to go farther. You'll want to do more. you want to do more. You say, why? Why is it that men of God are with such stature? They're not super Christians. Paul, these other guys that we see, they're not super Christians. What are they doing? They just took continual steps of faith. It's called walking with God every day. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walking in him. That's what it's all about. That's the Christian life. The Christian life is not bumbling around and scraping for our Bibles and saying, oh, I don't know what to do. The Christian life is saying, God, what do you want? Okay, I'll take this step. God, what do you want? Okay, I'll do that. Oh, God, I sinned. Please forgive me. Oh, you know, spouse, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'll do this. Okay, pastor, you want us to get involved in this ministry? I'm in. Let's do this. Okay, God, want me to do this? I'm in. Okay, what about this trial? I'm in. Let's do this. Let's go. That's what God wants you to do. But some of you have to cross that big one first, that big Jordan River. You doubting him this morning? You can trust him. He's a trustworthy God. You struggling to obey? You can trust him. He loves you. You discouraged? You overwhelmed? Ready to call it quits? Throw in the towel? You can trust him. He cares for you. He's there for you. Time to see obedient Christians this morning. Full, immediate, unconditional obedience to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, he demands it, but he more than that, he deserves it. And Christian, at this morning, if you love your Lord this morning, with a heart full of overflowing gratitude, you will love him and obey him this morning. It's a step of humility to do it. But Christian, I will tell you, the blessing that's on the other side is unbelievable. We talked about trials this morning. Trials won't go away. Hardships won't go away. They don't just disappear. It's not like you're going to have, you know, money floating down from heaven when you just step it. No. God blesses in different ways, but I will tell you this. The peace that passes all understanding will flood your heart. The love of God you'll understand in a new and an amazing way. Isn't that what Christian life's all about? To know him to know our God in a new and in a fresh way, to walk with him every step of the way. But it takes obedient faith. What about you, Christian, this morning?
Are you willing to take that step? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, I pray to help us in this time. Open our hearts before you and be honest. Help us to take steps of obedience. Before we pray and before I give it over to the pastor, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. How many would say, Brother Gildren, that's me this morning. I need to take steps of faith. God is talking to me, and there's an area in my life that is very specifically, God has shown me I need to take a step of faith. I need to be obedient to him. Honestly, I just have to be obedient to my God. I have to believe in him, and I need to take a step of faith. You say, Brother Van Gelderen, please pray for me. I'm taking the step of raising my hand to be humble before him. Anybody here like that? Please pray for me. I see that hand. Anybody else? Amen. I see those hands across the auditorium. Amen. How many would say, Brother Van Gelderen, this morning, there's an issue of sin in my life that's blocking the channel? And I'd be willing to be humble enough to, before God, ask for prayer, something that's very clearly blocking the channel. You know, this guy up here at this, in this pulpit, I'm not talking to you from a, a pulpit of, I've got it all together. I'm the last guy in the world that's got it together. By God's grace, I am where I am. I'll tell you even this morning, God's dealing in my heart about some specific things that I need to do. Maybe there's some things in your life, some sin issues, unbelief, and you say there's some very specific issues I have to deal with before I can even take the step of faith. Say, brother, brother, pray for me this morning. Anybody here like that? Amen. I see those hands. Amen. Anybody else? Be willing to be humble and honest. Amen. Lord, I pray you'd help us this morning. There's a dear people. And Lord, sometimes we can, I know so many years in my life, just be almost scared to take that step because maybe people think we're already there and we already have that step of faith in our lives and we're already to that point in our Christian lives. But Lord, sometimes we really aren't. Sometimes we've slid back. And Lord, sometimes we need a new and a fresh step you've given to us. And Lord, I thank you so much for what you are going to do. Help us to obey you this morning. In Jesus' name, Pastor.